Welcome into another episode of Running for the Roses here in mid-August as we continue to draw near to the 2022 college football season. I'm Ryan Baffalukas, and I'm joined by my partner in crime, Lucas Rohde, all the way from Nashville, Tennessee. Lucas, my friend, how are you this evening? I am doing, doing very, very good. Uh, we get closer and closer to college football. I think we're only about two weeks out from week zero, which is really exciting. And today we're going to be covering the, the conference that I live in, so um, which is arguably the best conference in college football. So I am stoked to go over these teams. With of you. course, Lucas is talking about the MAC, the Mid-American Conference, where we will be breaking down, <laughs> breaking down the SEC this week. It just means more. We have done four conference previews we've tackled for the five power conferences we encourage you to go back and listen to those uh, those past episodes lucas and i dive into each team give our our expected over-unders um we'll do our kind of season uh win total over-unders next week and we'll tackle some college football news and notes as well next week as preseason camp continues across the country um lucas first thing real quick we haven't done a Lucas Lawn update in a couple weeks, and I feel like the people are getting restless. It's 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 August. We're gonna bring it back here. A quick Lucas Lawn update. So it's actually great you uh, we brought this up because there is a big update. I'm actually not feeling great about my back lawn right now. Oh no! Um, there's a few dead spots um, that are starting to to occur in the back, and I've thought I've been doing everything. Like I've kept it nice and water. We actually have gotten a ton of rain in the last few weeks. Um, which has helped, but the back lawn isn't great. I actually reached out to a uh, fertilizer person that I got recommended to and uh, sent him some pictures. Um, he's going to further investigate and see what uh, what we can do to kind of re- re- rejuvenate um, the lawn. So otherwise, but it's only the right side, it's only like 10 to 15% of my backyard. The rest of it looks pretty lush and green. I'm pretty proud of it. So, uh, um, but otherwise, everything looks good. The front is also looking better and better each week. So, absolutely love that you have a fertilizer guy. It's a it's a huge flex. You call up your fertilizer guy and and get some goods. I have his direct number. Like I don't wow. even have to go through his secretary anymore. Wow, goodness so, gracious! But I won't say who it is. I don't want to give it away yeah. to our uh, to our listeners that might be listening. Also. Um, I don't want to get, I don't want to get charged for free. I don't, we don't do free advertising on this pod either. So we do not do free advertising. In fact, we don't do any advertising. <laughs> we don't. We'll probably never change. All right. <laughs> let's, uh, let's start here with, with the SEC as we've done with past conferences. Um, kind of an overarching kind of what are we looking for? Key storylines here before we dive into team by team. And, you know, Lucas, as, as I was doing research, I, I think the SEC, it's, you have two elite teams in Alabama and Georgia. You have a team that I think people think will be a bottom feeder, and that's Vanderbilt. Mm-hmm. And then the other 11 teams are just – I think there's there's a lot of chaos, um, yeah. especially kind of like – I guess my biggest question so far is who's the third best team in this conference? I mean, is it A&M? Is it Kentucky? Is it Tennessee? Is it LSU? Is it Arkansas? I mean, I think behind Georgia and Alabama, the race for like second and third – in each division is going to be really, really interesting because every team has question marks. Every team, you know, has holes. Every team, whether you have to replace coordinators, you have to replace a quarterback, 
it's it's makes for a really fascinating 2022 in the Southeastern Conference, I think. Yeah, no, I agree. And, you know, you kind of said about 11 teams. You know, we have six teams in this conference that are in their first or second year of their head coach. So it's also like like a team that surprised – like teams that surprised us last year, Arkansas and Ole Miss, they have to replace um, a decent amount of pro, pro, uh, productivity. So who knows what they're going to look like. I think it, it makes up um, the conference much more entertaining because otherwise this, this feels like it's going to be probably a boring race on both sides of the, the division unless we do have a surprise team. Um, but I just don't see anyone touching Bama or Georgia. But, uh, but no, I think that's what's going to keep the probably be, at least for me, the most interesting aspect of this conference is who can rise, like you mentioned, as that third and fourth best team. Yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see for sure. All right, let's jump into uh, some team by team breakdowns. We'll start in the SEC West. We'll go west to east, and we'll start with Alabama, uh, the Crimson Tide, the reigning national runner up, your reigning SEC champion. Uh, they bring back maybe the two best players in this conference: Bryce Young, the reigning Heisman Trophy winner, and uh, Will Anderson, who is probably the best defensive player in college football and maybe one of the best defensive players we've seen in a long time. Um, Lucas, uh, Nick Saban called last year a rebuilding year, mm-hmm. which I, I guess makes some sense considering you had lost Mac Jones. You had lost a lot of, a lot of talent off of a national championship team in 2020. Um, but there's no such thing as a rebuilding year for Alabama when you, you win your conference and you get to the college football playoff championship game. Um, a lot of firepower back on offense, lot, some questions, right? You lose Jamison Williams, you lose John Menchie, you lose Brian Robinson. So there are some skill position question marks on this team, but what is your kind of first read of the, uh, of the Crimson Tide? Yeah. I just laughed at the, the rebuilding your quote, because when I was looking at Alabama's recruiting numbers, so here is their last four years in the 24 seven composite, uh, number two in 2022, uh, number one in 2021, number two in 2020, and number one in 2019. So it's pretty good. It's pretty good. <laughs> I just think, unless those are your first four years as a program, I do not understand how you can have a rebuilding year. But it, it somewhat was. You mentioned, you know, they, you know, they were, you know, Bryce Young. We didn't necessarily know what he was going to get. The only thing we knew about him in the preseason last year was he had a seven-figure endorsement deal already before starting a collegiate camp. Um, but obviously was the Heisman candidate. But it it is weird. I mean, you do look at this roster, and I do think it – I do think they're going to be better. Um, you mentioned they did lose Brian Robinson at running back. They bring in Jameer Gibbs, who is maybe one of the best transfer portal additions of any team. He's the leading rusher at Georgia Tech, was one of the better running backs in the ACC last year. Um, and they really hit the portal, which was somewhat surprising at the wide receiver position. I think they brought in four transfer wide receivers, guys like uh, Tyler Harrell from you know, Louisville, Jermaine Brown from Georgia, who had almost 500 yards receiving. Um, but uh, I think the biggest thing they could probably improve is their offensive line. Because um, last year, even though they made the national title game, this was not a particularly good offensive line, at least for their standards. Last year, they gave up. 41 sacks. Um, it was actually nine more than any other year uh, under Nick Saban. 
Um, and they actually rushed for the least amount of yards per game in any year under Nick Saban, um, besides his first year there. They only averaged about 150 yards on the ground. Um, and that's, you know, with them uh, losing Evan Neal this year. However, they do return three starters. Um, so it, I, I would imagine they are going to be improved. Uh, but I would say if that's a question mark, because you mentioned it on defense, Will Anderson is back. I couldn't, I texted you, I couldn't believe the numbers that he had last year, even though I knew they were ridiculous. You know, 34 and a half tackles for loss. Just in the SEC, he was 17, like, tackles for loss higher than the person that was in second. Yeah, 34 and a half tackles for loss might be, like, as many as some teams have. Like, yeah. I, I would be interested to know how many tackles for loss did Vanderbilt have. This should, like. <laughs> Right. I know how many sacks they have because I'm going to say it on this pod. But he, Will Anderson had more than that. Their whole team in sacks, I know that for sure. But no, it it was computer like numbers, and it's crazy to me that he is back for another season. And it's interesting because you mentioned the portal additions. You know, Eli Ricks, a big name mm-hmm. coming over from you know LSU, was probably going to be their number one cornerback this year. Uh, you mentioned the two receivers. Uh, from Georgia, from Louisville, Jameer Gibbs. I mean, this is a team that has had success in the portal, right? Jamison Williams yeah. was couldn't find the field at Ohio State, goes to you know Alabama for a year and turns into a top 15 draft pick. Mm-hmm. Um, they have the best quarterback in the league. They have the best defensive player in the league. They have the best coach in the league. Um, and they're in a division, which we'll get to here as we go along, that has a lot of question marks, right? Yeah. I mean, this A&M, I feel like, is a year away. LSU has a new coach. Auburn's kind of a mess. Um, Arkansas is feisty. We don't, I mean, Ole Miss like loses a ton. So I don't want to say this is going to be an easy road for Alabama. It never is. And they do play Texas out of conference on the road, but I don't see a lot of teams in the West that can compete. So as we kind of, you know, move on, when we look at the out of conference, Utah state at Texas, Louisiana Monroe and Austin P uh, the home games for the SEC, Real tough draw out of the East, though. Uh, they draw Vandy at home out of the East. <laughs> poor, poor Vanderbilt. God, that that spread's going to be in the, probably in, in, in the 40s or 50s. Poor Vanderbilt. Uh, Texas A&M in maybe the most hyped game this year in the SEC, October 8th at home. Mississippi State and Auburn on the road. They'll go to Arkansas, Tennessee, who's their annual SEC East crossover. LSU and Ole Miss on the road. Lucas, um, the FanDuel numbers were very interesting. So the over-under is 10.5. Mm-hmm. The over is juiced to minus 280. <laughs> the under is plus 230. I have no idea why you don't just put 11 or 11.5, but uh, the numbers today, I had to recheck. Over minus 280, under plus 230. Uh, what what say you? Uh, yeah, this is a, an easy over for me. Um, obviously, I would not bet this at all just because you're – you're really not going to win any money back, but um, no, I think it's over. Cause I, like I mentioned before, I think this is going to be an improved team. Even if they lose maybe a little bit of explosiveness um, at the wide receiver position. Um, I just think they're going to be better everywhere else. When you look at offensive line, running back defensive line um, and their linebacker unit, this could be a, not an old school Nick Saban team, but I think this, this defense could potentially be the best defense in the country. Um, and I think that's going to make up for maybe what might be not as probably still a pretty darn good offense, but maybe not as explosive as a year ago. But, uh, but yeah, I'm, this is a, an easy over for me. 
Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I don't. I think with these top two teams in each conference, I know we have to go over them. They're going to be really good. I mean, Alabama <laughs> was one in the coaches' poll that was released this week. Georgia was 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 three. Oh, by the way, Georgia's the reigning national champions. So, um, Alabama, they have all the makings of a team that's going to be really good again this year. Um, maybe you have a slip up, right? You have to play at LSU. Um, you play at Texas. Uh, you play. You know, Auburn almost got them last year. Um, I'm not going to say it's easy. It never is in the SEC, but I think you you set yourself up for probably a 12 and 0 run in the regular season, most likely another SEC championship. So, any final <laughs> thoughts on the tie before we move on? Yeah, it's just like rinse, repeat. Yeah, pretty much. Even if the places they have lost is they have a five star that has yeah. been waiting in the wings for the last couple of years, and to play, and, so. and they're really well coached. I mean, like yes. this, it's not like there are programs that recruit really well that sometimes the character comes out of, you know, it, you know, goes, you know, haywire or sometimes the coaching, you know, isn't up to, but like Alabama checks every box. They're, yeah. they're well coached, they're disciplined, they're talented. And when you have those three, like you're going to win a lot of games. And it just feels like they don't have the kind of the coaching turnover like they've had yeah. over the last couple of years, which to me, we've seen them even when they've flipped their entire staff be able to go 11 and one 12 and 0 like clockwork so yeah that even more works in their favor all right moving on to the texas a&m aggies uh jimbo's club did beat alabama in college station last year on their way to an eight and four uh regular season they had to withdraw from their bowl game against wake forest due to some covid issues uh they bring in the nation's number one recruiting class for the first time in the jimbo fisher era uh, there is a ton of talent in College Station, but it's very young. Uh, they have recruited very well, um, but they are very young, especially along that defensive line. Um, at quarterback, you do have a competition between Haynes King, who's kind of the incumbent, started a lot last year before he got hurt. They also bring in Max Johnson, who was uh, the starter at LSU last year and has 14 career starts, and then a, a five-star freshman as well. Um I would expect Max Johnson to start. I don't know if if you're a big name quarterback, I don't know why you transfer somewhere and not start. That would be really yeah. weird to me. Um but I, I think I was watching um I think I was watching cover three and, and they they said Haynes King is expected to start and has looked really good. So anyway, some question marks at quarterback. You do lose Isaiah Spiller, you lose your uh your top tight end. There have always been questions about the explosiveness on offense. Um, I heard a joke that like August 4th is Texas A&M day because it's 8-4. Um, <laughs> so, Lucas, when you, uh, when you were looking at the, uh, at the Aggies, what stood out to you? I never heard that. It's really good. We missed, we missed the date by a week. I know. Um, but, <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, the Aggies, I feel like the – it's kind of like the last few years. I feel like the hype train on AM has just gotten higher and higher. And for good reason. Um, they had what many people consider to have arguably the greatest recruiting class ever. I think it contained like nine five-star uh, recruits. Um, it's crazy what $28 million can, can buy you. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but no, I, I actually looked at this and I wasn't sure going in. I, I just don't trust teams that because like A&M for all the hype they get, They've only had, I think, like two 10-win seasons in the last 15 years. Um, so for me, it's like hard to trust them. But I do think 
I am surprised if Haynes King is the favorite. I actually really liked Max Johnson at LSU um, the last couple of years. Um, thought he played really, really well there. Um, I thought, but I, I do think either one are probably going to be an upgrade over Zach Calzada from a year ago. Um, you did mention Isaiah Spiller. They do have a really good running back coming back in, in Devin Achani, um, who was second team uh, SEC last season. Um, I think really where they're going to make their work, they do have to replace a ton on defense, especially on the defensive line. Um, I think they had like three uh, NFL draft picks, including Devontae Neal. Um, so they do have to replace there, but they did bring the number one recruit, uh, defensive recruit, uh, this past year and Walter Nolan, he should be expected to play. Um, their offensive line, uh, was really young last year. I think they started three, they had two freshmen starting when they were playing Alabama. That should be an improved unit. So I'm actually fairly bullish on that. My only worry is they, they've got to be more explosive, um, on offense, um, that's been kind of a struggle for them really since Jimbo Fisher took over. And I just don't think you're, I mean, they beat Alabama last year, but to be in those uh, in that top echelon with Alabama and Georgia, they do have to get more explosive and they're uh, replacing a lot uh, at wide receivers. So um, even though they do bring in, I think the number one tight end in the country this past year in, in Jake Johnson. So yeah. I think brother Max- fun. What's that? I said, he's the brother of Max Johnson. Max. Oh, so yeah, that's why the quote unquote connection was there. Yep. Um, but uh but no, I'm actually fairly bullish on this AM team after kind of going through them. Yeah, I continue to be worried about the quarterback, but I, I think they have two good options. And honestly, they beat Alabama with Zach Calzada. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um losing Isaiah Spiller, I think will hurt, but you know, Devin Achane, nine hundred and ten yards, nine touchdowns. They also have LJ Johnson, Amari Johnson uh as well. Um, some questions at wide receiver. They did bring in two five stars, including Evan Stewart, Aeneas Smith, who was arrested earlier this off season, but I believe the charges have been dropped. Um, he was arrested like what, two days before, uh, media day, right? Yeah. Yeah. That happened yeah. right before media day. Yeah, he, he was supposed to go to media day with AM yes. and he was, he was left off the trip. <laughs> he had 500 yards last year and six touchdowns, Jalen Preston and, uh, Moose Muhammad, the third also back, um, to me, when you look at this team, like if you're, we have, we, we talked about in the spring, every single number one recruiting class has won a national championship, um, in the internet era. Now, most of those are Alabama. Um, but Georgia continued that last, you know, last winter. So this is a program that in, in probably 23, 24, 25, the next three years is is probably going to compete for a national championship. If Mm -hmm. history, um, is any like predictor. So at that point, like you need to go nine and three or 10 and two this year, right? Like that's kind of the trajectory that you should go on. Right. Um, I, if you go eight and four again, like not that Jimbo's in trouble cause he probably got another contract extension in the time that we started recording the podcast. Um, but you know, at some point you got to win on the field. You can't just win on signing days. Right. So, um, Moving on to the uh, the out of conference here, they'll they'll get Sam Houston, Appalachian State, Miami, and UMass all at home. The SEC home slate includes Ole Miss, Florida, and LSU, and they'll play Arkansas at Jerry's World in uh, Arlington, which counts as a home game for Texas A and M this year. On the road, they'll get Mississippi State, Alabama, South Carolina, Auburn. The over under is at eight and a half, over minus one sixty five, under plus one forty. I'm going to take the over. I had originally put under. Um, that was before I kind of went through the rest of the SEC West. 
there's just a lot of questions. I mean, this should be the second best team in the SEC West, right? Ten minutes ago, I asked the question, who's the third best team in the conference? It needs to be A&M this year. Like it, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's, it's this, I don't think this is a national championship team on paper. I think they're a year away, but this should be a nine or nine or 10 win team. I think you should win all your non-conference games. Uh, the road slate isn't terrible besides the Alabama game. Your other three conference road games are South Carolina, Auburn and Mississippi state. Um, I think this is a nine and three or a 10 and two team. If it goes eight and four, you have some question marks. You go seven and five. It's like, uh Oh, you know, so I'm going to, uh, I'm going to take the over and like put them at like nine and three. Yeah. I'm with you too. Um, the over at nine and three, 10 and two, um, for kind of the mentions you, this should be the third best team in my opinion in, in the sec. Uh, they're going to be young at a lot of, at, at some key positions, which I think is going to keep them from being a national title contender this year. But no, this, the talent they've accumulated over the last few years, there's no reason why outside of Alabama and Georgia, maybe LSU. I don't think anybody's recruited better than AM has uh, the last few years. So I'm with you. I'm the over, um, you know, nine and three, like you mentioned too, really the only, and in SEC play, like the only game I don't see them being favored against is against Bama. And that's yeah, it. And they're exactly. probably going to be favored. They're going to be favored in all their non-conference games. So that's 11 games. So I it, I find it hard that they're going to lose three of those games that they're going to be favored in. And it's, you know, as we'll get to here, kind of a bit of a retooling year in the SEC West. I mean, yeah. LSU has a new coach. And the next team we'll talk about here, Ole Miss, has to replace a ton including Matt Corral, who was picked in the third round. You lose your top pass rusher, Sam Williams. Both coordinators are gone. Uh, Jeff Levy takes the OC job at Oklahoma. DJ Durkin goes from Ole Miss to Texas A&M. You have five new assistant coaches um, and a lot of transfers. Uh, A lot of transfers on this team at key positions. And it starts with quarterback where you lose Matt Corral. You bring in Jackson Dart. Uh, from USC, I didn't realize kind of how pedestrian Jackson Dart's numbers were at, at USC. <laughs> 1,353 yards, nine touchdowns, five interceptions, a 62% completion percentage. They also have uh, Luke Altmeyer, who started, or not started, but when Matt Corral got injured in the Sugar Bowl, he uh, came in and uh, played in their loss to Baylor. Um, but this is still a 10-win team. They went 10-2 and in the regular season. Lane Kiffin's kind of breakthrough year. They were the second-best team in this division. Um, but Lucas, a lot to replace. You lose your top three. You, you lose your top three rushers, your top three pass catchers, your quarterback. Um, but in its place, you have a lot of transfers. I believe this was the second second ranked transfer class in the country, only to USC. Yeah, yeah. And we mentioned when we were talking about USC, just is this type of roster building, can you, can you do a quick fix or do a quick turnaround with this? I think with the type of people that USC got, I think we agreed that they can. Um, But yeah, but with Ole Miss, I mean, just so much, I mean, they do lose, they also lost their top four running backs last year, though they do bring in uh, Zach Evans from TCU, um, who was very good last year before getting hurt. Um, And the same with uh, Ulysses Bentley, who they brought in from, from SMU. Um, the key part on this is they do return uh, seven defensive starters on their defense. Um, but you mentioned too, DJ Durkin, who was kind of the architect of that defense is gone. 
They did hire Chris Partridge, um, who was already on staff to take that that defense over. Um, so I think you could see improvement on that side of the ball. But, I mean, just a lot for, you know, in Ole Miss, we were talking about kind of A&M replaced a lot. A&M has the number one recruiting class in the country coming in. Ole Miss has recruited well, but I don't think enough to, to replace that. And I just don't know how quick those transfers are all going to gel um, right away, yeah. too. So um, I think a lot of question marks, and this was, a, you know, they might have better offensive line play, but last year um, their offensive line was 97th in sacks allowed, was 113th in TFLs allowed. And I think Matt Corral covered a lot of those uh, deficiencies. So um, I am interested to see what this offense can do. I think Lane Kevins, we've obviously know him as a great offensive mind, but he's going to have to put, uh, it feels like they're just trying to glue and duct tape everything together. Um, and it'd be interesting to see how it, how it works out. Yeah. You look at their returning production, 10% of their passing yards, 4% of their rushing yards, 23% of their receiving yards. Um, they took massive strides last year on defense, improved their points per game allowed by 14 points. Like you said, seven starters back on that unit. They also bring in three time all Mac linebacker, Troy Brown, uh, 14 total transfers in 2022. And a lot of them will be playing Jackson dart, likely your starting quarterback, Zach Evans and Yusilis Bentley, um, likely your top two running backs. They brought in Jordan Watkins from Louisville, Jalen Robinson from USF at, at wide receiver, Michael Trigg at tight end uh, from uh, USC. It's going to be a lot. And um, this is kind of one of those, you know, if, if this works and they win 10 games, Lane Kiffin may never sign a full high school class again, you yeah. know, if, if this continues to work. And, you know, Lane has has kind of gotten that reputation of like, he'll, he'll just figure it out. He always puts good offenses together. They're going to play fast. They're going to have good quarterback play. And, there is talent in those transfers. Like those transfers were from big yeah, schools. Right. Like Zach Evans was a five-star running back that went to TCU because he had some off the field stuff and had a weird like recruitment where the schools wanted him. They kind of backed off and he committed to TCU late and played two pretty good seasons there. Mm-hmm. Um, the, uh, the out of conference schedule that should, they, they should be four and out out of conference, Troy, central Arkansas at Georgia tech and Tulsa. The SEC home slate, they get Kentucky as the crossover from the east at home. Auburn, Alabama, Mississippi State. On the road, they get Vandy from the east, LSU, Texas A&M, and Arkansas. Over-under at FanDuel Sportsbook set at 7.5 wins. Over is minus 140. The under is plus 120. Lucas, uh, over-under 7.5 wins for the Ole Miss Rebels. I'm going to go under, um, kind of for the, the reasons we were talking about. Like we said, really, really good transfers, talented guys. I just don't know if you're going to be able to glue this all up. Uh, you know, Jackson Dart was highly touted. I'm not sure if he's as hyped. He's, I, I, you're just not replacing a, a Matt Corral with another Matt Corral type, right? In my opinion, and so that, and with you know DJ Jerkin leaving, doesn't make me feel as great. Um, with the defense, even though they do return um, seven stars and they do bring in, you know, Troy Brown Jr., um, who was really good at Central Michigan. Um, but like I said, it's tough because I think they will go 4-0 in the non-con, so that means they're going to have to go 3-5. and five. But, I mean, you look at the latter half of their schedule. They have at Texas A&M, and they have a bye. 
then they have Alabama, then they go to Arkansas, and then you get Mississippi State in a road game. And meanwhile, your crossovers are, um, you do get Vanderbilt, which is helpful, but you have to go, uh, you do get Kentucky, who I think is going to be one of the better teams in the SEC East. So um, to me, I think like seven and five is probably likely, uh, more likely than eight and four. So I'm going to go under. Yeah, I took the under as well. I think the the road schedule in the conference outside of Vanderbilt's tough. LSU and M and Arkansas. Um, Mississippi State, Alabama, and Auburn is your home uh, your home games in the division. Um, I'm going to go under as well. I think it's a seven and five or six and sixteen. Um, and I think Lane's doing nice things. And listen, Jackson Dark could blow up, and this is an eight or nine win team. Um, but I, I think seven and five is a, is a really realistic number. So, um, all right. The, uh, the Arkansas Razorbacks breakthrough season in 2021, nine and four for Sam Pittman, who just looks like he's having a ton of fun there. I mean, that has been such a good fit for them in two seasons, 2020, 2021, um, in 2021, Arkansas beat Texas. They beat Texas A&M and LSU and they beat Penn state. They finished ranked for the first time in a decade. Um, Sam Pittman has completely rejuvenated and, and restored this program. There's a lot of energy in Fayetteville. Um, it's a, it's a great fan base and it's a program that has vaulted itself into at the very least, the middle tier of this division. Um, they have kind of, they beat LSU last year. They beat A&M last year in Jerry's world. Um, and they bring back their quarterback, KJ Jefferson's back. All he did last year was throw for 2,600 yards, 21 touchdowns, four interceptions, also added 664 rushing yards. The big loss, Lucas on offense, Traylon Burks, first-round mm-hmm. pick of the Tennessee Titans. And he was a huge um, huge offensive weapon for them, over 1,100 receiving yards. Um, they used him in a, a kind of a, a Swiss Army knife kind of role, a lot of jet sweeps, screens, stuff like that. Big um, – big name and a, a big figure to replace. Um, they also lose their top running back, Raheem Smith, who transferred to UTSA. Um, your thoughts on the, uh, on the Arkansas Razorbacks. Yeah, I'm actually uh, fairly bullish on, on Arkansas this year. Like you mentioned, they do return KJ Jefferson, which I think is a huge plus. It's his third year being the starter there. Um, you know, Sam Pittman says that this is probably their most experienced offensive line that they've had underneath him. And this is a team that, that led the SEC in rushing last year. So I, even though um, they do lose their top running back from last season, they return their next four rushers, including KJ Jefferson, um, in there. Um, yeah, it's going to be tough to replace Traylon Burks. Not only did he have 1,100 yards, but he was 40% of their receiving yards last season. Um, he was pretty much their main focal point. They did bring in Oklahoma transfer Jaden Hazelwood, um, who had a nice year as a true freshman um, over at Oklahoma. Um, so I think that should help. Um, you know, defensively, um, you know, uh, I think they're, they're, the thing that they have to clear up is in their losses. So their defense overall was fairly good. I think it was fifth in the SEC. In losses, though, they gave up 42.3 points per game uh, last Yikes. season. Yikes. Um, <laughs> and so they do have to clear that up, but they do bring back uh, Bumper Pool, which has one of the best names in college football. He's a third-team All-American. He's back um, at linebacker. 
Um, they do lose um, Montreal Brown uh, in the secondary. However, they do return uh, All-American safety Jordan uh, Catalone, who only played six games last year. Um, they also bring in uh, LSU transfer uh, uh, Dwight McLaughlin. Um, the schedule's, I think, pretty tough uh, when you look at the, the non-con uh, where they have to go. But overall, I, I think I like this team, especially if they're able to run the ball, control the clock. You have an experienced quarterback. Um, I think that'll help ease the blow of Traylon Burks. And then, you know, still, uh, I think a pretty another solid defense um, that hopefully can just play better and, and with some of their tougher opponents. Yeah, a lot of losses on that defense. Uh, you mentioned Monteric Brown, the cornerback. They also lose linebackers, Grant Morgan, Hayden Henry, uh, John Ridgeway, and Trey Williams from the, the defensive line. Um, but, you know, Barry Odom is there. And Barry Odom has done really, I mean, he's done wonders for this team. Remember, I think it was the COVID year. They intercepted Matt Corral like six times Mm -hmm. um, in that game. Like in 2020, they were really, really good at forcing turnovers. And, you know, Barry Odom is one of the best defensive coordinators in that league. Uh, He's done a really, really nice job with them. So uh, Lucas uh, hinted at it. The out of conference is, is tricky. No power five teams, but you start with Cincinnati at home coming off a playoff berth. Uh, Missouri State as well. You have at BYU in the middle of the season. And then Liberty with Hugh Freeze as well. SEC home slate from the east, they'll get South Carolina. They'll also get Alabama, LSU, and Ole Miss at home. Uh, On the road, they'll get Missouri, who's their annual crossover from the east, as well as Auburn, Mississippi State, and they'll get Texas A&M on a neutral in Arlington. Um, over-under, set at 7 at, at FanDuel, over minus 115, under minus 105. This is a tough one, Lucas. I think 7 is a great number. And I think the question for me is, do I see them going 8-4 and four or 6-6? Six and six? And I I kind of think this boils down to, what do you think about their non-conference? I mean, if if you're under the impression they go 4-0 and oh, and they beat Cincinnati and BYU and don't slip up against Liberty, then it, it might be a pretty easy over. Um mm-hmm. I'm I'm gonna I wrote down push and then under. Um I, I think six and six is is a likely I, I like getting KJ Jefferson back, but Traylon Burks was was so much of this offense. I mean mm-hmm. it's it's almost like losing a quarterback when you lose Traylon Burks because of how well they used him. The offensive line will be good, they'll be able to run the ball. You lose a lot on defense. And Arkansas, I don't think, is at the point where they're gonna replenish that like Alabama or Georgia. Uh, or like LSU even, right? Um, I think this is probably a seven-win team. I could see six and six as well. So I'm gonna take the, I'm gonna take the under. But this is uh, this is a this is a tough one. This is why I texted you. I sent Lucas a GIF earlier in the day. I was like, it was like a, um, it was an Obi Wan Kenobi GIF of him being very confused, and him and I said like, this is me trying to pick two through six or two through seven in the SEC West. Like, I just don't know. So I'm gonna go. Um, I'm going to go under, but a slight under. Yeah, I was kind of the same. I think seven and five is where I see them, but I'm kind of the opposite. I think if I had to pick, I'd probably rather see them go eight and four than six and six. Um, So one of the main reasons was they do get Cincinnati, but they do get them at home. Um, Even though I think Cincinnati is going to be pretty dang good. Uh, once again this year. I think if you can go three and one in that non-conference, which I think is doable, I think the uh, the conference schedule isn't isn't bad. 
considering that they only have to play three true road games in SEC play because their away game against AM is a neutral site in Arlington. Um, so you just have to go, and all three of those road games, in my opinion, are winnable at Mississippi State, at Auburn, and at Mizzou. Um, and last year, this team was able to go, uh, you know, eight and four in the regular season, and they had to go to Athens, Georgia, where they got absolutely pummeled by by Georgia, which they don't have them. They flipped them out this year for South Carolina. Um, so I'm going to lean more to the over. Like you mentioned, they do lose a lot on defense, but I do trust, you know, Barry Odom. He's been one of the best DCs here in the SEC for a while. Um and I think with them being more run-oriented, they're going to be able to, to hold possession, I think, um, keep other opposing offenses off the field. And I think they'll be able to find guys. They're not going to find a trail on Burks, but I think they'll be able to spread it out enough um, to kind of help fill some of that void. So I'm going to go um, probably push but lean lean to the over. And I think if Hasselwood can give you like 70% of what Burks was, it's going to be big for them. Yeah, and I think this program. I mean, like the fact that their over under was seven higher than like LSU and Auburn. Like that's a huge step for huge step for Arkansas, and the program yeah. is trending in a really really good direction. Um, understand Pittman. So, all right. Speaking of LSU, let's move on to the LSU Tigers. Brian Kelly uh, comes over from Notre Dame. First thing I wrote on my sheet, Lucas, was culture change, and I put three exclamation points. Uh, reading the uh, reading the state of the program in the athletic earlier today, like the first three paragraphs were just talking about the different the change in the culture. And I know that every first year coach says this, but it that LSU program was in disarray last year. I mean, it started with the loss to UCLA in California week one, um, and they really never recovered. And Ed Orgeron fired midseason, actually fired after a win after they beat Florida. Um, they're able to get Brian Kelly from Notre Dame. They give him a ton of money. They bring in 15 transfers, including several who will contribute, a couple on the offensive line. Um, Noah Kane at running back, a couple in the secondary as well. Um, this is a team that has some questions at quarterback. They bring in former Arizona State uh, quarterback Jane Daniels to compete with Garrett uh, Nussmeyer and Miles Brennan for the quarterback job. Um, it's a skill position group that might be among the best in the sec uh you've got john emery and noah kane at running back the receiving core is led by Keishon butte jack besh malik neighbors jerry jenkins i mean just a really really good group of wide receivers at lsu we, we we've been a, accustomed to that considering they had justin jefferson and uh, jamar chase on the same team um when i when i look at lsu like i really think that I think Brian Kelly is going to win a national t- uh, championship there. It's not going to be this year. It may not be next year. I mean, it's, it's probably going to be four or five years in the future. But when you combine that good of a coach with that track record with the mm-hmm. program of LSU, um, I think it's going. To, I think it was a home run hire, and I think um, I think he's going to have a good amount of success in year one. There are some question marks. I mean, typically when you have question marks at quarterback along your offensive line and in your secondary, that doesn't add up to very much. Um, and one of the interesting things that they had mentioned in the state of the program was there's, there's a lot of A-plus talent on this program. Like yes. Kayshawn Boutte, probably going to be a first-round draft pick. Mason Smith is really, really good at defensive tackle. Like They have some absolute studs. B.J. Ojolari, 
could also be a first round. But they had nine. Like, Lucas, they had nine players drafted last year, mm-hmm. and they went six and seven and got blown <laughs> out by Kansas State in the bowl game. Um, so talent's not the issue. It's a little bit like Texas. Like talent's never the issue, except Texas doesn't really get guys drafted, so maybe it's not. But um, all right, I've said enough about LSU. What are your What are your thoughts? On that? <laughs> no, I agree with a lot of your sentiment. Like they had nine players drafted, but yet they might have arguably the best wide receiving group in the SEC. Maybe even outside, you can maybe make an argument outside of Ohio State. Yeah. Uh, and they have one of the best defensive lines in the country, like you mentioned with B.J. Ojolari. You know, they, they get Allie Gay back, who missed a lot of time last season. I mean, they, it's just, it's a, it's a, basically, it's a program that should never go six and six. Um, I do think they may have some of the similar issues that we're, we might see with Ole Miss, where they're just bringing in. You know, a lot of new transfers. Only this difference, you have a completely new head coach with Brian Kelly, who I think is going to be okay sacrificing some losses if he gets his culture in place. Because they had a lot of guys leave that just were not fits um, for him at all. Because he's he's the complete opposite of what Ed Orgeron was. Let's be, uh, let's be pretty frank. So that kind of worries me a bit. But that being said, if they put it all together, this team is talented as hell. Um, and like we were mentioning, they could, I could see them going four and eight, five and seven. I could see them winning nine or 10 games, uh, depending on, on how it all shakes out because Brian Kelly's also a good offensive mind and they've got plenty of weapons on that offensive line or that off that side of the ball. They do have to get better running the ball. Um, they were, their offensive line was not great last year, about 38 sacks, only averaged 3.3 yards per carry last year um as running this is lsu this is feel like that was kind of a a trademark for them especially under less miles was they were very very good had good offensive lines that could run the ball so that does need to improve that worries me a little bit especially when you're bringing in potentially a guy like Jaden daniels um to to play back there and a new quarterback so we'll see there's a lot of variables um but we'll kind of see how it uh, how it shakes out for them because I do think they're going to be dominant on the defensive line, um, and they're going to be able to throw over the top of it or should be able to. Yeah, if they can give the quarterback time, I mean, they're going to start. A, uh, it's looking like they're going to start a true freshman at left tackle, five star uh, uh, Will Campbell. They have they're basically going to have a brand new offensive line. Um, yeah, they're like the offensive line that ended last season. There will be nobody that will be either in the same position or even playing, um, and. You know, listen, you mentioned Jane Daniels. Like, that's such an intriguing thing to me. Um, I was doing some LSU prep, and it, it seems like Garrett Nussmeyer's having a really good camp mm-hmm. and, and, and might take a hold of that job, which would be really interesting if Jane Daniels transfers across the country and then, you know, doesn't play. Similar to, like, the Max Johnson conversation we had with, you know, AM. Usually, if, if you're going to get a three-year starting quarterback from a Power 5 conference, like, you're going to have a, you know, a wink-wink agreement that you're going to be the starting quarterback. Um, and I would be really interested to see how Jaden does with a really good receiving core and with SEC caliber players. Um, you know, in 2019, he had Eno Benjamin uh, as his running back, who's in the NFL. He had Brandon Ayuk, who was a first-round receiver, as his top receiver. Like, and he, he did pretty well as a freshman. Mm-hmm. And that those, you know, that level of skill guy kind of deteriorated at Arizona State. And now it's if he plays, it's going to be really, really good. So. Uh, the at a conference, I think, is very manageable. They'll start the year the Sunday of a Labor Day weekend in New Orleans against Florida State in a 
in air quotes, neutral site game. They'll also get Southern New Mexico and uh, they'll get Southern comma New Mexico and, uh, and UAB in the non-conference, the SEC home slate, Mississippi state, Ole Miss, Alabama, and they'll get Tennessee from the SEC East uh, SEC road slate. They'll go Auburn, Arkansas, Texas, A&M and Florida from the SEC East over under is set at six and a half wins over is minus minus one twenty. The under is plus a hundred. Uh, I'm on the over six and a half, and I it's a pretty confident over for me. Um, I think the floor of this team is six wins. I mean, I th- I think you go four and zero in the non con, um, and I you, you're winning at least two games. You're probably getting Mississippi State at home, um, and you're you know I I just think whether it's Auburn, Florida, like. They play a lot of teams. If you look at the road schedule, I mean, Auburn has question marks. Florida has a new coach. Um, I think those are both winnable. Like to me, this is an eight and four team. I think you probably go four and zero in the non-con. You you go four and four in conference, and uh, you're eight and four. So I'm going to go over six and a half. I'm gonna I'm going the opposite. I'm going under. Uh, oh, okay. Under six and a half. Um, I think this defense is going to be really good. You know, um, especially with their defensive line. You know, also their secondary, I totally forgot to mention, they picked up uh, Derek Bernard Converse, who was an all Big 12 cornerback for uh, Oklahoma State last year, too. Um, I, I just have a ton of issues on that offensive line. Not sure who they're going to – a lot of question marks at quarterback. Um, but like I said, I, I wouldn't be shocked if they're not. I To me, this feels kind of like a year one, similar to what we saw with Kirby Smart when he went to Georgia – and Nick Saban when he was at Alabama. Different because the transfers were completely different. You still had to sit out a year. But you know, Nick Saban went 6-6 six and six in his first year, and Kirby Smart went 8-5 and five his first season at Georgia. So I kind of just see this as just a year for Brian Kelly to put his stamp on. To me, this could be a team. Like, I don't know if I want to play LSU later in the season. Um Maybe they start to, to figure things out. Because it, it also went chat. We've seen the last how many years, too, at LSU. If they don't start off well, we see like three or four guys that just kind of like opt out of the season. That's um, a good point. That's a really good point. So, actually. and like main guys, they had that last year under Ed uh, at Orgeron. And it wouldn't shock me if that was the case if they start off slow. But the thing is, though, is like I think, you know, that Florida State game is winnable. It's a neutral site, but it's in New Orleans. So I'm assuming that's going to be 80% LSU fans at that game. That's a huge game, I think, for both of those programs. Um, but then you go at Auburn, Tennessee, at Florida. I don't think those are going to be easy games. Um, you get Bama at home this year, and then you have to go on the road at Arkansas and at Texas A&M. I think they're going to be underdogs in those games. Um, and that's when they might be getting kind of their team together. So, that's why I'm just going to go under. I just think this is kind of a, a culture year for, for Brian Kelly to get his stamp in. And I think this could be in 2023, in my opinion, that wouldn't shock me if they're the one of the most improved teams. But then again, it wouldn't shock me if they won like eight or nine games this year either. Yeah. Interesting. All right. Two more teams in the SEC West here. Mississippi State. Um, a, uh, a very old Mississippi State team. Every uh, – you have uh, Will Rogers back at quarterback, one of the best quarterbacks in the conference, 4,700 passing yards, 36 touchdowns, nine interceptions, a 74% completion percentage. Granted, I'm, I'm assuming most of those are within 10 yards. 
Uh, every defensive lineman on the two deep is at least 21 years old. It's just a, it's an old team, Lucas. It's, it's an mm-hmm. old kind of a throwback team. Um, and what's interesting is, you know, year three under Mike Leach traditionally has been kind of the breakthrough year for his programs. Um, and it will be interesting for Mississippi State. They had the big win against Texas A&M uh, last year at uh, Kyle Field. Um, you have seven receivers back with at least 29 catches. Like they're just, they know who they are. Um, I don't even think the state of the program article even listed running backs. Um, you do have to replace Charles Cross, who was a top 10 draft pick for Seattle. They also lose their starting right tackle as well. So you have some question marks, but I'm, I'm a little bit bullish on Mississippi state. I, I, I think with some, some question marks, like in the LSU secondary, um, some question marks with the Arkansas defense. I think this could potentially be a, a step ahead year uh, for Mike Leach. Yeah. I mean, uh, just kind of looking at it, it's, it's really, really, um, I think uh, a, a cool thing that I've seen that, you know, Will Rogers will be, it'll be the fourth, fourth time that Mike Riley has, or not Mike Riley, Mike Leach has a three, third year starting quarterback. And in those previous three, which was Cliff Kingsbury at Texas Tech, uh, it was Graham Harrell at Texas Tech, and then Luke Falk at Wazoo, they all won at least nine games those years. Wow. Which is a, an interesting uh, interesting stat. So that's what Will Rogers does have to come with. You mentioned they do lose um, a 1,000-yard receiver uh, in Mackay Polk. However, like you mentioned, seven guys that caught at least 29 passes last year. <laughs> and we mentioned their running backs. They do return their top two running backs, both of which, uh, um, both of which, uh, Dylan Johnson and uh, Joe Quavius Marks, both of them had over 400 yards rushing, but they also had 400 yards receiving. So they also bring bring a lot. And you know, the air raid is an interesting offense. It throws a lot of different variables at you. Um, even if it is very, very simple, it can be sometimes tough to game plan against. Um, but they also bring back um, the D line, like you mentioned, pretty much is all fifth and sixth year guys on it. So very, very experienced. Um, and their secondary is uh, is pretty good too, led by you know Emmanuel Forbes was a corner last year. The second team all SEC. So yeah, I do like this. The the non con uh, is interesting. Um, but I think yeah, I think this is a another building year. I'll give my over under in a bit, but yeah, it's Mississippi State. I think this will, will be his best team. Will that equate in more wins? Um, I'll get my answer to that in a bit. Stay tuned. Stay <laughs> tuned right now. All right, uh, the at a conference, as Lucas mentioned, you open with Memphis at home. You go at Arizona in Tucson. Bowling Green and East Tennessee State as well at home. So I think you're at least 3-1, and one, probably 4-0. The SEC home slate, you get Texas A&M, Arkansas, and Auburn at home, and Georgia from the SEC East. So a little unlucky there getting Georgia. Uh, SEC Road, <clears throat> excuse me, you go to LSU, Alabama, and Ole Miss with Kentucky. The annual crossover game uh, will be on the road in Lexington. Over-under is 6.5 at FanDuel. Over is minus 135. The under is 115 and for everyone who has been eagerly awaiting lucas's over under your 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 patience is about to be rewarded lucas uh i'm going under 
Uh, Whoa. Mississippi State. Um, I think this could be a better team than they were last year. Their schedule's brutal, though. Um, I think, especially in the SEC, yeah, they do get, I mean, they get Memphis at home. But remember, Memphis beat them uh, last year. Though it was semi-controversial. There was a, a punt return that probably should not have been called a touchdown. Um, but, you know, Memphis still beat them last year. I don't think they should beat Arizona. I don't think Arizona is going to be necessarily a cakewalk in Tucson. I think that game has like, yeah, has like an 8 p.m. local kickoff, which will be like 10 o'clock in Mississippi. Um, but I think the SEC schedule is brutal. You get AM at home, Arkansas, Auburn, and Georgia. So last year they went seven and five. Their crossovers were Vandy on the road. And then they had Kentucky at home. Now they have to go on the road to Kentucky, and then they get Georgia at home this year. Um, and then you still have to go on the road to LSU, to Kentucky, Bama. Uh, and then you have the Egg Bowl and Ole Miss, which could go either or. Um, so I like this team. I think I think they're going to play a lot of close games. But even last year, like they had, you know, I don't think they're going to beat A&M this year. And last year, even against Auburn, that was the game they had to come back. What were they down, 24 to 3? or 21 to three um, at some yeah. point in that game and had to come back. And yeah, the thing that, that kind of scares me was last year, they were 64th in yards per play. Um, so they were not a very explosive team. Actually, the only team that had less explosive plays in SEC play last year was Vanderbilt. Um, and to me, just with that schedule, I just don't think you're going to get by. They are experienced. And I, I am going against Trent's. Like I said, Mike Leach has never – won less than nine games with a third-year starter in his career, but he also has never coached in the SEC West uh, with any of those programs either. So I'm going to go under. I think six and six is more likely than uh, than seven and five. Yeah, I'm going to go over here. And it's it's nice that we have some, um, like, disagreements finally. So here's my thing with the schedule. I I get it, right? Anytime you get Georgia – from the east it's it's tough i will say i think getting lsu early is probably a good thing that's true um with so many question marks in the secondary you do, i mean obviously you have to play the sec west you did beat AM last year you get them at home this year i think at home against arkansas very winnable you get auburn in november like as we'll talk about them next like that team could be completely checked out by then Mm-hmm. Um, and I had Ole Miss going under in mind, so I think they could very easily win at Ole Miss. Um, so I'm going to go over. I think it's a seven and five or an eight and four team. Wouldn't shock me, honestly, if this team finished like third or fourth in this division behind Bam and A and um, I totally get where you're, where you're coming from. I think with so many question marks in this division with quarterback, I mean, like Will Rogers is the second best quarterback in this division, right? I mean, he has to be. It's not, it's not A and M's. It's not LSU's. It's not Auburn's. It's not Ole. I mean, it's not Ole Miss's. So yeah. it's, I mean, it's. Well, it's, I, I might say KJ. Je- I might put KJ. Uh, Jefferson. KJ Jefferson's there as well. Yeah, for sure. So, um, again, we don't have to sit here and debate Mississippi State's, uh, you know, <laughs> non-conference schedule at this point. <laughs> but I, I'm on the over. I, I, I could. I think it's a seven or eight win team. So, um, interesting though. When you you uh, you had me in the first half, not gonna lie. When you brought up the Kingsbury Graham Harrell stuff, I was like, "Oh man, he's really bullish on this." Pulls the rug out of me. All right, uh, <laughs> all right we, uh, we 
we round out the SEC West with the uh, the Auburn Tigers, six and seven in 2021. They uh, they fall to Houston in their bowl game. Interesting year for Brian Harson. I mean, it was a program that was started off really good. They mm-hmm. were at one point also six and four. They lose at South Carolina, and then the the debacle of the Iron Bowl, where they have Alabama on the ropes. And I mean, literally, like if 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 one or two plays go the other way, Auburn wins that game. I yeah. mean. I was watching the final drive of that of uh, of regulation. Like Alabama had to run a two minutes roll from like their two yard line to like mm-hmm. tie the game, and they like did it. Um, and that sparked a very interesting off season for Brian Harson. Derek Mason, the DC, leaves for a pay cut at Oklahoma State. Mike Bobo, the OC, was fired. Austin Davis, who they hired from the Seattle Seahawks, then resigned six weeks in. Twenty players have transferred. Uh, there was a coup attempt. I mean, just craziness up on the plains of Auburn. Um, and uh, Brian Harson's facing some uh, some challenges in year two, I would say. Yeah, it was like a fake investigation or it was there was fake allegations that were thrown out just to have an investigation to potentially get him fired for cause. Um, just a regular day uh, in uh, the Auburn booster universe. But um but no, and I think it does bring a lot of questions, like both new coordinators, you're already implementing something new next year. And it's a shocker because I remember when they hired Brian Harsons, we both really liked that hire. I thought he was, he did a great job um, at Boise State. Um, and if you look at this team, yes, they lost some guys uh, due to transfer. Um, I do think they're going to have an interesting quarterback b- battle. TJ Finley's back. He started uh, a couple games last year uh, with Bo Nix, who transferred off to Oregon. They did bring in Zach Calzada, um, who did play a lot last year for AM when Haynes King went down, beat Alabama, which he was most memorable for, threw for over 2,000 yards. Um, they do have one of the better running back groups, I think, in uh, the SEC um, with uh, Tank Bigsby. Um, and Jarquez Hunter both had over 15 or combined had over 1500 yards tank was, uh, I believe second team, all sec last year. Um, even though their offensive line, they only averaged about three and a half yards per carry, um, in sec play. Um, but they do return, um, a good chunk of their snaps from last year. Um, I think it's about 77%, but they do need to get better. They also bring most of their, uh, uh, wide receivers back as well, including tight end uh, John Shanker, who actually broke the tight end record for single season yards in Auburn history. They do bring him back. Um, and they should have, uh, um, they did lose seven defensive linemen to the portal. Um, but the guys they did bring, at least they kept those, some of their better guys, um, you know, Eco Luoda um, and Derek Hall um, and Colby Warren all return on the defensive front. Um, those guys put up pretty good numbers last year. So I do think it's an interesting team. I think it's more or less what is the mindset of this team? Are the guys that stayed, are they going to play hard for Brian Harson, or are these guys just staying because they had no other place to go? Yeah, you know, it, it's interesting. Obviously, everyone is saying the right things, right? Like guys like Tank, Tank Bigsby, like they're saying, like, we stayed here for a reason. Like we believe in him. He's a good coach, all of that. Um, but like, you're right. Um, this is clearly a fan base that wants nothing to do with Brian Harson. Yeah. Um, 
you remember last year after like four or five games, he had to fire his wide receivers coach and he like promoted one of his guys from Boise. Like there's just been, it's just been a mess. And it, to me, it kind of feels like Brian Harson is an sec outsider and the sec fan bases don't like that. Right. Like he, he had to hire Derek Mason and Mike Bobo because they're both sec guys and it just didn't click. And now he's got his own guys there. Like he has his own coordinators finally. So maybe it will be better. I don't know. Like to me, Auburn is, is it might be the biggest enigma in this, in this, um, in this division. Like if you yeah. tell me Auburn, if it goes eight and four and like tank Bigsby is like a fresh, like a, an all American and, and Zach, like Zach Calzada was decent for a and yeah. Like he wasn't terrible. Um, and I think he ends up winning that job. TJ Finley's already been in some legal issues as well. Um, his off season. So if you tell me they go eight and four, like I'd be like, okay, like they get LSU at home, they get Missouri at home from the uh, the SEC East. Like the non conference sets them up to win at least three games. Like I could see it. Or if you tell me like they lose to Missouri and they lose to Penn State and they lose at Georgia and they lose at Ole Miss, and by Halloween Brian Harson's packing his bags and he's gone, mm-hmm. I could also believe that. So like I don't know what to think here. The at a conference. Uh, they open with Mercer, San Jose State, Penn State week three, and then Western Kentucky at the end of the season, all at home. The SEC home slate, like I mentioned, they get Missouri from the east. They get LSU, Arkansas, Texas A&M on the plains. On the road, they'll go at Georgia from the SEC east. That's their annual crossover. Ole Miss, Mississippi State, and Alabama. One thing I'll say, playing at Georgia and at Alabama should be illegal. Like it should not be allowed in college football. <laughs> like they need to figure that out to where we are not having Georgia and Alabama on the road on the same year. That yeah. is incredible. Yeah. Um, the over under is set at six at FanDuel Sportsbook. The over is minus one Oh five. The under minus one fifteen. Lucas, I gave a lot of my confused thoughts on this team. What are you, uh, what are you thinking? Uh, so this shocked me. I did not think this was going to be the case going in, but I'm actually going over. Um, I oh, think <laughs> I'm regretting it as I say it, but no, I, I'm actually going over. Um, I think this is going to be uh, a better team than I think I thought I realized, like I mentioned, really like that. At least the, the first tier guys they have on the defensive line. I think they're going to be disruptive, really like the running back situation. I think, um, at least with uh, with TJ Finley or Zach Helza, I think they're both going to be probably fit, maybe more so what Brian Harson wants to do. He inherited Bo Nix. You could tell that that wasn't necessarily a great fit um, kind of from the get-go. Uh, I think he'll be able to use more of his offense. But, I mean, you look at the non-con, they should go at least three and one, I think, in that. And I think their, their home games outside of A&M probably, I think, those are winnable. Mizzou, LSU, Arkansas. Obviously, I wasn't super high on LSU. Um, and then your road games, yeah, you do have to go to Georgia and Bama, which are probably automatic L's. But I think Ole Miss and Mississippi State are, are winnable games. Obviously, I went under on both of those two. So I am actually going to go over um, with the Auburn Tigers, um, and I'm already kind of regretting it. But we'll see. Lucas, you know, one of my favorite saints in college football is once you're on the hot seat, you're really never off the hot seat. And I'm taking the under and I, I just like, I think when we did the Nebraska portion of our big 10 pod, I said, I think this is how the season's going to go. I think they're going to lose at Northwestern and it's, or in, 
in Ireland against Northwestern, and it's just going to cascade, and Scott Frost eventually will be let go. And I, I kind of see something similar happening with Auburn. I mean, I think you win the first two games, Mercer, San Jose State, relatively you know easily. I think you probably lose to Penn State. I think I went over on their win total. Missouri, I think, is kind of a tricky one. I'm not, I'm not super high on Missouri, but like that's one that if you're pushing the narrative, like they lose to Missouri, and then the next two games are LSU and Georgia. Like the the front part of the schedule is tough. I mean, LSU, Georgia, Ole Miss, Arkansas. Like you got to go at least two and two in that stretch. I think I went over on LSU. I went over on uh, Mississippi State, who they play on the road. Like I think all those games are winnable, except for Georgia and Alabama, essentially. Um, but I'm going to go under, and I think this could be a five and seven, four and eight team. And Harson is shown the door, and who knows who Auburn brings in at that point. The, the the program is is a mess. So Matt Rule, speak it into existence. <sighs> yeah, I sent, <laughs> I sent Lucas a, a Reddit post about the, someone asked on the college football subreddit, "Where is Matt Rule coaching?" The two <laughs> most prominent answers. I'm sorry. Where is Matt Rule coaching next year after he's fired from Carolina? The two most popular answers were Nebraska and offensive analysts at Alabama. <laughs> those were the two. Those are the two most popular, uh, most most popular answers. All right, let's move on to the SEC uh, East here, as we're we're just over an hour in here. The reigning national champion, the Georgia Bulldogs. What a year for Kirby Smart. Walk on quarterback Stetson Bennett brings into the promised land. Uh, they do not win the SEC championship. They lose to Alabama in the title game. They beat Michigan. They beat Bama in the college football playoff, and they win their first national championship in, in a while. Uh, five first-round draft picks are gone on defense. You also lose two star running backs, James Cook, Zamir White. It's probably the best tight end group in the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, the receivers are pretty good. Um, they did lose Jermaine Burton to Alabama. Um, you have two guard spots up for grabs on the offensive line. I wrote down in my notes, 10 former five-star recruits on defense is pretty absolutely nuts. Uh, <laughs> Georgia is one of these programs where you don't rebuild, you just reload. And yeah. it will be interesting because they do lose a lot. I mean, you still have Stetson Bennett at quarterback, like presumably. They do have Brock uh, Vander Vandergriff um, at uh, he's their uh, five star, I think, retro freshman quarterback. Um, the offense, Lucas, was pretty good last year. Like people, I mean, the offense wasn't wasn't bad. It wasn't as bad as like people make it out to be. The mm-hmm. defense was just so so good that it it uh, overshadowed it. But like they were, they put up some points and like they could score. So. Um, Georgia coming off a national championship expected to be right there again. What are your thoughts on the Bulldogs? Yeah, kind of uh, like you, um, kind of going off of you know the offense standpoint. I think it's just because they maybe weren't as explosive as an Alabama or an Ohio State. But Stenson Bennett, I believe, had fourth highest passing efficiency in the country last year. I mean, threw for twenty nine touchdowns and only seven interceptions. Um, he's obviously back. Um, you mentioned that they have um, a couple good recruits even behind him if something were to happen. Um, and like you mentioned too, uh, Brock Bowers and Arik Gilbert, that might be the best, easily the best tight end combination uh, in the country. If you were a program, you'd be lucky to have one of these guys. And I think you know, Arik Gilbert didn't even play last year. Um, and I remember going into the season, 
we were all kind of expecting him to have a blow up season if he had played. But um, and like you mentioned, 10 five stars on defense, just looking at like Phil Steele's like depth chart when he has like the player rankings from when they were recruits, there's like four or five guys that have single digits like next to them. That's nuts. Um, <laughs> I mean, they, and they even, and a few of them played last year, like Jalen Carter's back at nose tackle. You know, he was a freshman last year and was second team all SEC. They also bring back, um, you know, Robert Beal, who led them in sacks with seven last year. So they still have some pieces there. And like you mentioned, I think just the way they've recruited the last couple of years, this past year, they had the third best recruiting class the year before the fourth. They had the number one recruiting class in 2020. And in 2019, they had the number two recruiting class. So to me, it's just a lot of these guys have had playing experience. So like it's this was almost a simple review for me because I literally just wrote on defense just about everywhere they have to replace starters, but most of them have playing experience. They should be pretty darn good once again. Um, so I don't really have any question marks here. I guess maybe the only thing is they do have to replace a lot at, you know, at tailback. Um, but, you know, to me, it's once again, it's Georgia. Like they always produce good running backs. Um, you know, Kendall Milton uh, was a very highly touted recruit when he came in had over 400 yards running last year. Um, the receiving group is young, but it's very, very talented. So I expect Georgia to be pretty much where they were last year and yeah. winning the SCEs fairly easily this year. Yeah, I mean, we didn't even mention Kaylee Ringo, who had the game ceiling interception against Bama. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nolan Smith as well is, is, uh, is back along the defensive line. One of the big question marks I have on this team is they they have a lot of new coaches. So Dan Lanning, the DC gone to Oregon, Matt Luke, the offensive line coach, uh, stepped away from football. Uh, Cortez Hankton, wide receivers coach left for LSU. And then, uh, Jamil Aday, the defensive backs coach left for Miami. So you, you do have some new coaches. I, I don't, we don't need to spend too much time on Georgia. They're a really good team. It's a great program. They're probably going to win 11, 11 or like 12 games. Um, the, uh, the non-conference, they do start with Oregon and uh, former D.C. Dan Lanning. That game is in Atlanta, but again, technically a neutral site game. Shout out to the SEC. Uh, Samford, Kent State, and Georgia Tech, the other uh, non-conference games, all of those will be at home. Uh, the SEC road slate, they'll get Missouri, South Carolina, Kentucky, Mississippi State from the west. SEC home slate, they'll get Vanderbilt, Florida, which is in Jacksonville, counts as a home game for Georgia, Tennessee, and Vanderbilt. Over-under set at FanDuel Sportsbook at 10.5. Like Alabama, heavily juiced. Over minus 250, under plus 210. I'm going to go the over. I don't need to really have a big explanation. I don't think the East is that great outside of Georgia. Um, I don't think they're going to be tested. They're like 20-point favorites against Oregon. They're going to be 40-point favorites against Georgia Tech. And uh, they get it, they get Mississippi State out of the SEC West. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm over. It's pretty easy for me. Yep, same. Over, um, fairly simple for all the reasons you decided. Um, I mean, poor George Tech. <laughs> Who knows? That could be a, a 50-point spread by the end of the season. But um, but no, kind of the same thing. There's no there's no headaches. They don't get A&M or Alabama or even Arkansas like they did last year from the SEC West. Um, yeah, I don't think they're going to be favored, I think, by double – 
easily by double digits, maybe two scores in every single one of these games. Even if they lose one, I still think they, they're still going to hit it over easily. 11-1 to me is like the floor for this team this year. Um, so it's, yeah, over easy. All right, now let's get to some of the interesting teams here in this division. The Kentucky Wildcats, uh, fresh off a nine-win season in 2021. Mark Stoops has done an incredible job there. They averaged 4.7 wins per year from 1985 to 2015. 7.8 wins since. Six straight bowl games, four straight bowl wins. Those are both school records. I mean, it's it's arguably, besides like Georgia and Alabama, like the most consistently good program in the SEC especially in the SEC East. Uh, no drama. They're never going to finish high in the recruiting rankings, but they're going to win between seven and nine games. And I think as long as they do that, Mark Soups gets like an automatic contract extension. Automatic one-year extension. Um, you do lose Wandale Robinson. He goes in the second round of the New York Giants in the NFL draft. Chris Rodriguez and uh, Will Levis are back on offense. Will Levis threw for over 2,800 yards, 24 touchdowns. And getting some like surprising early round NFL draft buzz, like seems like there's like two or three quarterbacks every year that's like, oh, this guy's might be a first round pick in the draft. Remember, it was like Jamie Newman in like yeah. 2019 from Wake Forest, and then he ends up going undrafted. <laughs> <laughs> Tough one for him. Um, oh. uh, Chris Rodriguez is back as well, ran for 1,300 yards and uh, nine touchdowns. Lucas, your uh, Kentucky impressions. Yeah, I mean, like you mentioned, Mark Stoops has done just an unbelievable job, um, what he's done there. I mean, they pulled in the 14th highest recruiting class in the country this year, too. Kentucky, in football. Um, and it was just kind of interesting reading how really the whole university is just kind of galvanized and is really invested in football now as much as they are in basketball. Um, but you mentioned, you know, Chris Rodriguez is back, arguably one of the best running backs in the SEC. Uh, their offensive line, they don't return a lot, um, but their whole two deep is made up of four and five stars. So they've recruited extremely well um, on that part of the ball. Um, defensively, they do, have to re- they do have to replace a lot on the defensive line, um, including uh, Josh Pascal, who was uh, drafted in the NFL this year. But at linebacker, they return their top two uh, uh, returning tacklers. Um, also, their leading sack leaders, J.J. Weaver and Jordan Wright, both combined for 14 and a half sacks last year. They come back. Um, I guess for me is, to me, with with Will Levis, I just I don't know if I'm 100% sold. He played really, really good against Georgia last year. Um, I think it was the best that a quarterback had played against them beside Bryce Young. But they also had... He, eight times last year, so eight out of their 13 games, he threw for less than 200 yards. Um, so that kind of worries me with Wandell Robinson gone. Their leading receiver coming back is Isaiah Cummings. He had only 197 receiving yards last year. Yeah. Um, so to me, that's a lot of productivity. They weren't you know, an explosive offense really to begin with. Um, they should be able to run the football. I think this is still a solid team. Um but yeah, those are maybe the question marks I have is one on the defensive front, but also two, like, I just don't know who they're going to be throwing to. Yeah. Um, this is a really interesting number for me. So the at a conference, you get Miami of Ohio, Youngstown State, Northern Illinois, and then the game against Louisville at the end of the year will be in Lexington. So four non-conference home games. 
The SEC home slate, you get South Carolina, Mississippi State, Vanderbilt, and Georgia. On the road, you get Florida, Tennessee, Missouri, and Ole Miss from the uh, the SEC West. The over-under at FanDuel is 7.5 wins. Over minus 125, under plus 105. I'm going to let you go first, Lucas, because I'm, I'm baffled. Like, there are a few teams in the West. Like, there are a few teams in the East that are getting a lot of hype, right? Yeah. Most notably Tennessee and South Carolina. Kentucky just feels like almost like Wake Forest where like they're just consistently really good and no one talks about them. But I'm interested in see where you go with this number. So what do you think? Uh, I'm going under, um, under seven and a half. For kind of the things I mentioned, I just don't know if they're going to have as big of an explosive pass game. Uh, you know, they do return Chris Rodriguez, but like I mentioned, they have, they do not re- return a ton of production on their offensive line. Um, and even on their defense, um, I mentioned that they do bring back a lot of linebacker, but defensive line, a lot of new starters, but even in the secondary, um, you know, Yusef Corkin, their starting safety last year is gone. Both starting corners are gone too. Um, and they were a very Bendel O'Brien defense last year. So I'm not sure if they can continue to do that with that secondary. I know they brought in a couple of transfers, even at wide receiver too. Tavian Robinson, they brought him in from Virginia Tech to help heal the blow from Wandale Robinson. But I'm just not sold. I mean, seven and five for Kentucky is is still a pretty damn good year if that's a rebuilding year. But I'm not sure they believe in that anymore at Kentucky. But look at the non-con. I, I mean, they got to play. I mean, they get Northern Illinois. They should win that game. But Northern Illinois won the MAC last year. That's not going to be a layup. Um, and we were both really high on Louisville, too. Um, they play them at the end of the year. It is at home. But, uh, yeah, and you get Georgia at home. You still have to go to the Swamp. You have to go to Tennessee um, and to Oxford. Um, so, yeah, so I, I'm going under. Um, I just feel like, uh, you know, seven and five is probably closer to eight and four. Um, so that's where I'm headed. I'll go under as well. I, I think you bring up a lot of good points. Um, I kind of penciled them in at three and one in the non-conference most likely losing to Louisville, but, you know, potentially Northern Illinois as well. Um, I think it's hard because you have a great program and a quarterback who's coming back. But, you know, the SEC West has – or the uh, the SEC East has some really talented quarterbacks. I mean, Spencer Rattler yeah. comes over, Hendon Hooker, Anthony Richardson. Um, it's it's not, you know, it's, it's not easy. And when you lose a lot on defense and a lot in the secondary, um, I think 7-5 and five is a good number for them. This isn't a bet for me, even though the under is plus 105. Um, I think seven and five is a, is probably a, a fair uh, result uh, for uh, the Kentucky Wildcats. So I'm I'm going right. to get crucified by the way if they beat Northern Illinois like fifty two to seven. <laughs> you thought that was yeah, I'll save the audio and we'll. Uh, <laughs> play it on the you have to you have to bet Northern Illinois. Whatever the spread is, you need to you need to bet Northern Illinois now. Oh, I'm all in on the Huskies. Here we go. All right, we move on to the uh, the Tennessee Volunteers. Um, everyone's kind of darling. Seven and five in Josh Heupel's first season last year. They they lose in the Music City Bowl to Purdue. Uh, we mentioned some of the good quarterbacks in this conference. They bring back one of them, Hendon Hooker, who, uh, a transfer from Virginia Tech, who really was outstanding. Twenty nine hundred forty five passing yards, thirty one touchdowns, three interceptions, sixty eight percent completion percentage. Uh, Tennessee set school records with 67 touchdowns on the season and over 500 points 
They bring back Cannon Hooker. You have a ton of depth at wide receiver and tight end. Um, I understand why people are very bullish on Tennessee. They play an exciting pace. They're hard to play. Um, are you? Uh, do you share the similar sentiments on the Tennessee Volunteers? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think their offense is going to be fun as hell to watch again this year. Um, that was an amazing turnaround. I thought the Tennessee, just where they were, you mean Josh Heupel came into kind of a mess um, left there by, by Jamie or Jeremy Pruitt. You know, they start Joe, Mil- you know, Henry Hooker wasn't even the starter to begin the season last year. Um, they had Joe Milton and then everything kind of turned around. Um, like you mentioned, deep wide receiving core, you know, led by Cedric Tillman. He was thousand yard receiver last season. Um, they even brought in, uh, you know, Brew McCoy, who was a five star recruit f- for USC, who transfers over. Um, they return, you know, eighty five percent of their snaps from last year on the offensive line. Um, and the crazy thing, I didn't realize this last year. Their defense, they actually set a school record for they had one hundred and two tackles for loss, and they return uh, their top two tacklers and Jeremy Banks and, and Aaron Beasley. So. I think this is probably the, the most excited Tennessee fans have been for a while. I think there's a good reason for excitement. Um, and yeah, I'm interested to see how their schedule plays out. Because once again, it's still a tough schedule and they still have to play Alabama every year as their, uh, <laughs> their conference or their inner interdivision uh, crossover. Yeah, Tennessee and Auburn are the two teams that have to play Georgia and Alabama every year. Georgia <laughs> Tech theoretically has to play Georgia and Clemson every year. Uh, that's not easy for them either. Uh, the out-of-conference schedule for Tennessee, Ball State at Pitt, Akron, and UT Martin. SEC home slate, they'll get Florida, Kentucky, Missouri, and Alabama from the West. SEC road, they'll go at Georgia, South Carolina, Vanderbilt, and uh, they'll get LSU on the road as the cross-division game out of the West. Over-under at FanDuel Sportsbook is 7.5 wins. The over is minus 170. Under is plus 145. Uh, this is an overplay for me. Um, I think they're going to score a lot of points. They have, I mean, Cedric Tillman back at uh, uh, wide receiver, 64 catches, over 1,000 yards, 12 touchdowns last year. Um, Hendon Hooker is just really settled into that offense really well and ran it really, really well. And I think the schedule sets up pretty favorable. I mean, your road games besides Georgia in the SEC are South Carolina, Vanderbilt, and LSU. You get LSU pretty early as well. I think it's like early October. Um, as we'll get to here soon, I'm not very high on Florida, and I went under on Kentucky. So this is an over for me. I think eight and four, or nine and three is is potentially likely. And you know, I think I would probably have them second in the East right now, um, and and that's saying something in uh, in Josh Heupel's second year. Yeah, I'm gonna go over as well. Um, and I actually, before the bot was thinking about going under on this team, but just kind of, like you mentioned, just kind of looking at their schedule, I think their offense is going to be great again. I think their defense was better last year than people gave them credit for. And they have, um, a decent amount of production on that side of the ball coming back too. like you mentioned, even the non-con, you know, they do have to go at Pitt. I was high on Pitt going into this year. Um, so even if they lose that, I mean, you look at the home slate. They do have Florida, Bama uh, at home and then have to go to Georgia on the road. But I think the rest of those games are winnable. Um, so I do think, um, you know, eight and four is probably more likely than seven and five. Um, 
Though I do go on the side of caution because I feel like any time anytime we get kind of riled up about the Vols, they do nothing but disappoint. It's a really good point. It's a really and really good uh, point. and honestly, like uh, you know, for me personally, it's just like if they go seven and five again this year, I think that's still a big year. It means they had consistency um, for a program that has continuously been up and down the last two decades. Um, but yeah, I will stick with over for the Vols. All right, the Florida Gators. Um, I kind of alluded to them earlier. Six and seven in Dan Mullen's final season. Uh, he was fired uh, after the uh, the victory against Florida State. Actually, I think he was fired before the uh, the uh, the victory against Florida State. A lot of turnover, Lucas, for this team. Emory Jones is gone to Arizona State. Anthony Richardson, who they were very very high on, uh, will step in at quarterback, but. Unproven there, only 529 passing yards, six touchdowns, five interceptions last year. Uh, top three rushers are gone, including Damian Pierce, who was a fourth-round pick of the uh, Houston Texans. Uh, questions at wide receiver. Only one tight end has caught a pass on the roster. I'm not very high on Florida. I think this could be a – I mean, I think it very much depends on Anthony Richardson. Like, if Anthony Richardson surpasses expectations and he's – a Hendon Hooker kind of player. This could be a team that wins seven or eight games. Um, I just have to see it first. And I think, you know, Florida, as they should be with the new coach, is, is you know, a year or so behind the other teams. You're a year behind yeah. South Carolina. You're a year behind Tennessee. Kentucky's got a, got a lot of experience back and has that culture implemented. So I don't think the bottom's going to fall out again out of Florida. And I, I think Billy Napier's going to really get it um, – get that program where they want to go. He seems to me like he really cares about recruiting and he kind of, he's been under Dabo, been under Saban. Like he, you know, knows how to build a winning program. Um, I don't think this year they're going to be um, very good, to be honest. So on the opposite, I think they actually might surprise some people this year. Um, I love that. I <laughs> I mean, this was a team that just a couple of years ago was, uh, you know, went, I believe, went to an Orange Bowl and won the couple of years prior to that were double digit wins. I know they, they don't have, you know, they lost their two, uh, uh, two runners, but they do bring in, you know, I think at wide receiver, they bring in ASU transfer Ricky Persall. Um, you know, Justin Short had a solid season last year, 550 yards. He's back that they do need to replace Jacob Copeland who, who transferred off to Maryland. Um, but they do return a lot. I think in their, in their secondary, both starting safeties, Trey Dean and Rashad Torrance, who are their top tacklers are both back. Um, so I actually like this team just because if you look at the last two head coaches, so um, in both uh, uh, Dan Mullen and Jim McElwain, both in their first years, they won double digit wins. Um, when the previous coach was fired the year before. I'm not saying they're going to win double-digit wins, but I don't think this is as big of a rebuild job. I think Anthony Richardson uh, will do well in Billy Napier's uh, offensive system. Um, and I, I actually, I'm actually a little bit higher on Florida just because I still think it's still Florida. There's still going to be talent, kind of like LSU. I still think there's a lot of talent on this roster. Um and I think Billy Napier, like you mentioned, I think he was the right guy for this job. Um, so I think it, they could actually surprise some people this year. 
I really just wanted to see you scouring through the SEC record books. You brought out the Mike Leach stat with his first with his third year quarterbacks. <laughs> the Florida first year head coach stats, just just excellent work by you coming in for the <laughs> SEC pod tonight. Um, the at a conference for Florida, they'll start the year at home against Utah. They'll also host South Florida, Eastern Washington. They'll go at Florida State uh, to end the season. SEC home slate, they'll get Kentucky, Missouri, South Carolina, and then LSU from the West. Uh, on the road in conference, they'll go Tennessee, Vanderbilt, Georgia in Jacksonville, and then Texas A&M. Over-under at FanDuel is set at 7, over minus 115, under 105. I feel like you can kind of see where Lucas and I are going with this. I'm going to take the under. I will say this. I think seven and five is a good number. Like I, I, I yeah. think to me, I think seven is, is a, is a nice round. Um, it's a nice round. Like that's where they will be. Mm-hmm. Um, they won six games in, in 2021. I know like, I, I have to get the first year coach like out of my mind because everyone's got transfers now. And like, it's, it's easier for coaches to like, you know, rebuild. And like you said, first year coaches of Florida have had a lot of success traditionally. Um, I kind of think the out of conference is tricky. Like I think they lose to Utah. Now that might be a PAC 12 homer in me. The spreads like two, two and a half. So it's, it's close. I think at Florida state could be kind of interesting as well as maybe Florida state's competing for a bowl game as well. So you might go two and two in the non-con. Um, and then you got to get basically five sec wins. And even if you go three and one in the non-con, you got to get four SEC wins, or I guess five to go over. So I'm on the uh, I'm on the under. I think this is a seven and five, or like a six and sixteen. Yeah. So um, kind of like you were saying, probably know where I'm going. I'm going on the over. Um, I think that this team can win eight games. Um, yes, Utah. I, I'm probably pushing that as a loss. Um, should be, I'm actually surprised Utah isn't favored by more, but USF, Eastern Washington should win Florida State. Um, I like that they get, you know, um, A&M on the road because I don't think they would have beaten them in the swamp. Georgia's a neutral site, probably going to lose that game, but I think they can still potentially beat Tennessee, and I obviously I think they're going to beat Vandy. Um, but like I said, I just think this team has a lot more talent on it. I think this was also a team that just gave up last year. And obviously was not playing for Dan Mullen. <laughs> I mean, they gave up what fifty six points to to Samford yes. last year. Um, it was the most points I believe that they had ever given up at the Swamp, just to anybody. <laughs> it was an FCS team. So I think with improved focus, I I think this will be a, a solid year um, for the Gators. Um, hopefully, I'm not biting my tongue by the end of the year. All right, three more teams left in the SEC. We go to South Carolina, now Columbia. Um, a, 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 a really nice year for Shane Beamer in year one. They go 6-6 six and six in the regular season. They beat North Carolina in their bowl game. Um, and they bring in a lot of really high-profile transfers, including Spencer Rattler, one of the most high-profile transfers. Shane Beamer uh, was with Rattler his freshman season at Oklahoma. Um, gets him back now. They also brought in. Uh, Austin Stronger uh, from Oklahoma, the tight end. Uh, Christian Beal Smith from Wake Forest as well. Um, Lucas, I think there's a lot of optimism around South Carolina. Shane Beamer, you know, he's he's great on social media. He's great. He's a great face of the program. He's kind of like 
the Sam Pittman of South Carolina. Like he's, he <laughs> seems to fit really, really well. Yeah. Um, some areas of concern for me, South Carolina led the SEC last year with 24 takeaways. And a lot of that is kind of luck sometimes. And I feel like that doesn't always go your way a second year. And they have to re- replace a lot on defense. Under 60% of their tackles, tackles for loss, and sacks uh, are coming back. They bring in nine transfers. There's talent in the program, right? The defensive mm-hmm. line has two five stars, uh, Zach Pickens and uh, Jordan Birch. Um, we mentioned the transfers on offense. I mean, this was a team that won six games in 2021 with, like, Luke Doty. Like, remember they had to, like, pull, like, a coach to, like, play last year? They were, like, it starting. Was, uh, Zeb Nolan. Yeah, they like started like a GA the first game of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like, you bring in Spencer Rattler, but you know we've also seen Spencer Rattler like the bottom has fallen off a little bit, and like Spencer Rattler's got a bit of like a you know head case, you know drama queen kind of uh, reputation. So it's it's kind of interesting in South Carolina. But what what do you think about the game clocks? Yeah, I'm kind of with you at the same. I think a lot of hype. You know, obviously a, a nice first year from Shane Beamer. Um, I did like, I mean, they did bring in at running back. Christian Beal Smith uh, was Wake Forest transfer, um, had a nice season last year um, uh, for the Demon Deacons. They also, uh, you know, they bring back a lot at wide receiver. Both their top two receivers are back. They even brought in uh, a transfer from JMU, uh, Juice Wells, another great name. Um, it was second team all American in the FCS last year. Um, yeah, they did show great improvement defensively last year. Uh, they went from 105th in points per game in 2020 to 46th. Um, and like you mentioned, you know, Zach Pickens and Jordan Birch, both are going to be anchoring that line. Um, but I guess for me is, do I buy in? I'm a little bit scared to buy into the hype because even with a good year last year, they still went six and six against, you know, they beat up on kind of a down Florida team, a down Auburn team. Um, and I just, I'm not sure, you know, especially with, I think their schedule is is tougher this season. Um, so I'm not sure how I'm buying in with them fully, but I definitely think South Carolina, obviously, this is the most excitement they've had since Burrier was there. Um, so they're definitely moving in the right direction. I'm just not sure if this is their, their breakthrough year this year. Uh, the out of conference for South Carolina, Georgia State, Charlotte, South Carolina State, all at home. They'll finish the year at Clemson. Uh, SEC home slate, they'll get Georgia, Missouri, Tennessee, Texas A&M from the West. Uh, the SEC road slate, they'll go at Arkansas, Kentucky, Vanderbilt, and Florida. Over under is six and a half. Over at plus one twenty, under minus one forty. And uh, Lucas, I will let you go first. I think I know where you're going, but I will let you. Uh, go yeah, I'm going under. Um, just because I just think the non-conference, yeah, they should win their three other games, but you have to go at Clemson. Um, I don't think they're good enough. We obviously both picked Clemson to win the ACC this year. But even your home games, um, you get Georgia and A&M. I'd probably feel better if you had those on the road because you're probably not going to and have more winnable games at home. Tennessee's going to be tough, too. Um, and I even think Mizzou potentially could be a toss-up game for them. But on the road, you have to go to Arkansas, to Kentucky, and then also to Florida. So I just think there's too many toss-up games in there for me with like Kentucky and Florida and Mizzou um, that 
Uh, and then with uh, what I think are three for sure losses on your schedule. I think that's the thing that's tough. Like you pretty much with South Carolina, you pretty much have almost two for sure losses just about every year with Clemson and Georgia. And then you have to play the rest of your SEC schedule. So I'm going to go under. I think this is more of a six and six team. I just think there's a lot of, with Spencer, I think there's a lot of hype. But I mean, in my opinion, if Shane Beamer gets this team to two consecutive bowl games in his second year, um, I still think that's a, a really good job that he's done there. And this could be a better team than what they were last year. I just think the schedule is a little bit tougher. Um, so that's why I'm going to go under. Yeah, so I'm on the under as well. I think originally I had put over, but the schedule is is tough. I mean, I'm very high on Tennessee. Georgia and A&M at home, like you're, you might go one and three at home in the SEC. Yeah. On the road, like Arkansas is not going to be easy. You got Kentucky and Florida. And I do think you raise a good point. Like they won six games last year, but they kind of feasted on teams that had quit or they kind of feasted on, you know, Missouri wasn't as good as people thought. Florida was bad. Auburn quit at the end, like, or not quit, but like Auburn was a little down too. Like, so I, I get it. I think six and six is very realistic. Um, I will take the, uh, I'll take the under for South Carolina. And one thing I'm just looking at their schedule last year, they only beat Vanderbilt by one point last season too. So, um, and this was a team that was in the SEC. We talked about their defensive line, but it was 12th in sacks last year, and you're going to have to go against quarterbacks like Will Levis, um, like Hendon Hooker, um, and, you know, also Clemson and Georgia and A&M. That's why, yeah, I just feel much, much better with that. All right, the Missouri Tigers, 6-6 six and six in the regular season in 2021. Uh, Eli Drinkowicz in the regular season is 11-11 11 11, uh, in his two years there. Nice uh, symmetry there. Uh, they did lose their bowl game to Army in, uh, in 2021. Uh, the, uh, the program actually just named a, a starting quarterback. It will be uh, Brady Cook, who takes over for Connor Basilak, who transferred to Indiana. Uh, Missouri also loses the program's all-time leading rusher, Tyler Beatty. He ran for over 1,600 yards last season. Uh, that being said, should be a pretty strong receiving core, including five-star freshman Luther Burden, uh, who was the number one uh, wide receiver in the class of 2022, according to 247, and the number three overall player, the third consensus five-star prospect to ever sign with Missouri. Uh, and they're also pretty deep at wide receiver. Dominic Lovett, Mookie Cooper as well. Um, offensive line has some experience back. They do have a new defensive coordinator. Thank God. Steve Wilkes was atrocious last year. <laughs> he ended up taking a uh, job in the NFL, and they hired uh, LSU's linebacker coach to uh, fill that void. Um, Lucas, your thoughts on uh, on Missouri? Yeah, Missouri's kind of an interesting team um, just because – they do lose Connor Bazelak, who kind of had a disappointing season last year after having a really good, he was the you know, SEC Offensive Freshman of the Year in 2020. Um, so not really sure what to think with, with Brady Cook because he just hasn't had a ton of experience. They do lose, you know, a 1,000-yard rusher, um, you know, from last season uh, in Tyler Beatty. They did bring in, you know, Nathaniel Pete from Stanford, which should help. Um they also brought in a D2 transfer in Cody Schrader, who had two, over 2,000 yards at, at Truman State. Um, so I think they could – I mean, the thing that's going to help out, like you mentioned, really, really fun probably receiving core. Um, a defense that I think should be improved from last year, but 
I don't know. Mizzou just kind of had a, a tough read. They've been kind of average under Eli Drinkowitz this year. So honestly, like I'm kind of twisted on what to think. They brought in a really good recruiting class. I just don't know outside um, of Luther uh, Bunden. I don't know how many of those guys are going to contribute yet this year. Yeah, it's interesting, right? It's kind of the adage of somebody has to um, – someone has to take these losses, right? Whether it's Missouri and Vanderbilt in this league, you know, whether it's Tennessee being better or Florida being better or Kentucky. Like, Missouri, I think, is a team when I'm looking at these wins, I'm like – or I'm looking at these win totals. I'm giving a lot of teams to win at Missouri. Now, the interesting thing, Lucas, I felt like after 2020, everyone was really high on Missouri. They kind of mm-hmm. surprised some people. You mentioned Connor Bazelak, one SEC freshman of the year. When I looked up their their ranking last or their uh, their um, the uh, this, the uh, the record last year, excuse me, I expected it to be like four and eight because I've heard nothing about Missouri. They went six and six. Like this has been a team that's been in back to back bowl games. Like that's yeah. not that's not nothing in the SEC for Eli Drinkowitz. Eli, uh, uh, you know Drinkowitz um, at a conference they'll get Louisiana. At Kansas State, Abilene Christian, and New Mexico State at the end of the season. SEC home slate, Georgia, Vanderbilt, Kentucky. Uh, they'll host Arkansas in the annual crossover game. SEC road slate, they'll go at Auburn from the west, and they'll get Florida, South Carolina, Tennessee from the east. Over-under at FanDuel, 5.5 wins. Over plus 125, under minus 145. I'm going to take the over. I, I just think they get back to a bowl game. I mean, I, I, I'm not going to say this is an 8- or 9-win team. Um, I went under on South Carolina, I went under on Kentucky, and I went under on Florida. So I got to start getting some overs here, and I think Missouri returns. I think they're going to have a pretty good offense, and the defense, to quote the great Lucas Rohde from the Big Ten previews, like the Big Ten offenses couldn't get much worse. I don't know if Missouri's defense can get much worse. Yeah. So I'm going to take the over. I think it's about a six, maybe seven win team. You know what? I think you just convinced me, Ryan, by using my own words against me. That's um, right. So I think I'm going to go the over. Uh, I don't know if I like it great because I think like six and six is maybe like a ceiling. Maybe seven and five is probably the ceiling on this team. Um, especially, um, you know, they go at Kansas State and the non con. Um, I liked, I think we both liked Kansas State in our Big 12 preview. So I'm not sure there. But like you said, I think. You know, this offense, I think, should be decent. Eli Drinkowitz has always been a good offensive play caller. Um, And like you mentioned, with Steve Wilkes gone, they do return, I believe, eight starters from that defense last year. So um, it should be improved. So I'm going to go with you. I think six and six. I think think they're talented enough to make a bowl game. So I'm going to go with you on the over on that. All right. We round out the SEC with the Vanderbilt Commodores. uh, Two and ten. 0-8 0-8 in the conference in Clark Lee's first season in 2021. But like Lucas said, you had a, a, a one-point loss to um, one-point loss to South Carolina. And they're recruiting pretty well. They signed the 32nd-ranked recruiting class in 2022. Uh, that class included seven players ranked among the top 600 nationally. The previous three classes, Vanderbilt signed a total of eight prospects in the top 600. Um, so they're doing some, some good things there. Um, do I think they're ready to be a competitive SEC team? I do not. Do I think they could get one SEC win? Probably. Like, I, I, I think getting one is doable. 
Um, you're probably not going to beat Alabama on the road. That's not going to be the one that I will give them. Um, I'm not going to say I'm bullish on Vanderbilt, but like, I think this team could improve from last season. And that might mean that might mean three or four wins. Whew. Yeah, I am. Are you, was, are you the opposite way here? Yeah, I was, but then you were, you were making some good points there. I hate it when this happens when I, I felt like I was pretty fixated. Well, in fairness, uh, like the on field product for this year might not be great. Like yeah. I, I just, I think the program is trending in a good direction. Yes. Um, but they could also like, I'm not saying they're going to get, you know, Georgia here. I, I also think their schedule is tougher than it was last season too. I mean, they have a, a week zero game, you know, at Hawaii, you know, they have to play, you know, they get wake, even though the, the same with Sam Hartman could make a difference. I still think wake wins that and at Northern Illinois in the non-con, but kind of just going back to the team. I mean, you know, the quarterback battle between Mike Wright and Ken Seals, neither of which were particularly impressive. Now, they were both very young quarterbacks, so maybe there's some improvement. Uh, they do return Will Shepard, who was their leading wide receiver last year, but they lose three out of their top five and are going to be pretty young. They're probably going to be starting two freshmen at two true freshmen at wide receiver. Th- this team reminds me a little bit of, of Arizona in the Pac-12, whereas last yeah. year was kind of – your kind of your your year zero just kind of had to get it out of the way and now you had a nice recruiting class but this year is really to to get some of your younger players more experience so you can start building up to something so i think this could be a better team but i as i was kind of going with the schedule um i think the schedule's tougher than it was a year ago and it might not show up in the record of them being better um but I do think this program is moving in the right direction. Um, oh, and also their their defense last year only had nine sacks all season. Um, that is about half of Will Anderson. <laughs> a half of Will Anderson. Yes. Um, we had a conference schedule, like Lucas mentioned, week zero, they'll go at Hawaii. They'll play Elon, Wake Forest, and Northern Illinois. SEC home slate, they'll get Ole Miss, South Carolina, Florida, Tennessee. SEC road slate, they'll get Alabama. From the SEC West, look at Georgia, Missouri, and Kentucky. Over under at FanDuel is 2.5 wins. Over plus 110, under minus 130. I'm taking the over. I'm taking the over. I think they beat Hawaii. I think they beat Elon. I think they can beat Northern Illinois. If we don't hit the over by October 1st, we are in trouble. I will say that. <laughs> if we don't, if we first four games are Hawaii, Elon, Wake Forest. And at Northern Illinois. Shout out to Vanderbilt for going at Northern yeah. Illinois. Gosh dang it. Uh, starting in October, you have Ole Miss at Georgia, at Missouri, Kentucky, South Carolina, Florida, Tennessee. So I'm going to take the over. I think it's a three and nine team, and we cash this. <sighs> I'm going to go over two. I'm going to go over two. Just because. It's your hometown team. It is my hometown team. Um, largely because you mentioned. Like they could easily go three and one in the non-con. Like they should beat Northern Illinois. You're an S. Even if you're the the worst SEC, SEC team, should be better than one of the better teams in the MAC. Like that should still happen. Um, but even if they lose that, I still think they go two and two. And I, like you mentioned, I think they're going to win one. I don't see them going. 
winless in conference play for the third straight year. So I just think that's just hard to do in general. I think maybe they clip somebody at the end. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go over. I think that they finish at like a three and nine record this season. All right, real quick, let's just. Are you Alabama Georgia for the championship? Yes, I'm. I'm Alabama Georgia, and I think Alabama wins the. Uh, I think Alabama wins the uh, the SEC. I think the, kind of the, the biggest question is: Does the SEC get two teams this year? Right? Or do we have a similar situation where? You know, if Georgia is, I think I think if Georgia's undefeated heading into the SEC title game, of course, if they have one loss to Alabama, they would get in. If Georgia slips up at some point, um, you know, and they're eleven and two, that will be an interesting question. But I think Alabama wins the SEC, and and I think Alabama right now is the heavy favorite for me to win another national championship. Yeah, I agree. I think their defense is probably going to be the best defense in the country. Um, you know, along up there with Georgia's potentially. I just think Georgia loses a lot. I think Georgia is kind of where Alabama was last year, where um, you know you're kind of filling some holes, things like that. You're still going to be really, really good, um, but those holes could maybe cause you to slip up once or twice, which is all it takes for you to get out of the national championship race. So I'm in agreement with you. Alabama, Georgia with, with Alabama winning the SEC. All right. With that, our uh, conference previews are done. We will have uh, an episode next week. We'll go over some news and notes from around college football and uh, do our over-under locks for the upcoming season. And then uh, the next week we'll be previewing week zero. I can't wait to do 45 minutes on Illinois, Wyoming. <laughs> can't wait to break down how illinois can throw the ball in wyoming it's gonna be fun uh lucas any final thoughts here before we get out of here no just uh same aspect of you um it was fun doing the conference previews uh learning these teams now it's just just can't wait to actually see it happen on the field um and i can't wait to look like a genius on some of these picks and then also to look like an idiot on some of these other picks so uh just excited for it to get underway all right Thank you all for listening here. Almost two hours the Southeastern Conference preview. For Lucas Rody, I'm Ryan Baffle Lucas. Stay frosty. Ooh, brother, ooh, brother.